Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by CoachMe Plus. CoachMe Plus is the leader in athlete management software and a product that we've been lucky enough to implement here for over two years now. The product in and of itself is exactly what you need it to be, guys, with options ranging from being a workout provider, as in sending the workout directly to the student-athlete's phones, to being a place where you can communicate with them and bring together multiple streams of data to be its own dashboard for you, your coaching staff, or the athletes. Or you can use what we've added to our, our menu of Coach Me Plus activities, and that's Hydration Station, where all of this information that is provided is based off of research from the Corey Stringer Institute, where we're looking at weighing in versus weighing out and then providing optimal hydration uh, strategies for the student-athletes by them selecting through the menu and tapping on what they'll take home with them and what they're consuming prior to the next practice um, when all the numbers at the top are lined up green. It's something we've had really good success with and the kids have really bought in on. Just another great example of the awesome product that you can find at coachmeplus.com. Guys, hop over to coachmeplus.com today and check it out. It's a product I guarantee you won't be disappointed with. Hey, everybody. If you enjoy the podcast and the content it provides, be sure to hop over and check out the community. The community is an exclusive members website that is just an extension of what we do here in July at the Central Virginia Sport Performance Seminar. What it is is a combination of video lectures, a coach's corner with your Monday morning take-home information, and a forum where you can talk about anything and everything related to the field of strength and conditioning. In the community, you'll find content added each month from some of the top practitioners in the world, ranging from PhDs to high-level coaches, bringing you exactly what they're doing with their athletes or their research at the present moment. On top of that, an additional discussion by coaches bringing you that Monday morning information, things that you can add to your training program right away. Tying that in with the opportunity to discuss with coaches around the world in the forum on anything and everything from the topics addressed in these presentations to whatever you're seeing in your daily life as a coach. If this sounds like the right thing for you and your staff, go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com community and try it out for 48 hours for just a dollar. If you like it, you're signed up, ready to roll, and you're jumping into all the great content added each month. If not, feel free to go ahead and cancel at any time. No questions asked. We're really excited about what we're building in the community and hope you are too. Go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com community and check it out today. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, I have the absolute pleasure of sitting down and talking with NC State's Nate Brookerson about some developments going on down there in Raleigh. And Nate is going to break down everything they're doing when it comes to developing a standard operating procedure within their department. This isn't just strength and conditioning wise, guys. This is total athletic department. This collaborative project is really like next level stuff, bringing everybody together, defining roles, defining terms, and and really setting the foundation for more streamlined approach to how they handle their student athletes. We talk about everything from the process to the development and then getting into different roles of different things from measurements to different staff aspects to even examples of what they're doing with it at NC State at the present moment. This is a killer talk, guys. I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Nate, thanks for being on with us today, bud. 
I appreciate it, Jay. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Listen, you guys got a lot of awesome stuff going on down there at NC State. Let's let's get right to it. What do you guys got going on down there in Raleigh? Uh, I, I'd say probably one of the biggest things that we're really getting into right now is we have this pack performance group, which is uh, kind of this amalgamation of, of the heads of all of our different departments there. So we have uh, sports nutrition, sports psychology, uh, strength conditioning, sports medicine, and academic services. They're all in the room together with an administrator that's over the top. And this idea of, you know, we've talked a lot about different agenda items, but, you know, one of the things I think is going to help us moving forward is kind of clarifying uh, a standard operating procedure between our groups because we, you know, we talk about, you know, the different services that we offer. And I think one of the things that, uh, you know, would be hard for us to do is to be in a room and kind of look around and say, you know, what exactly is the role of sports medicine, you know, in strength conditioning eyes and, and vice versa? What what exactly does sports medicine do uh, in the view of sports psychology and, and vice versa? So, you know, being able to clarify that, I think, is is going to be important for us to, to move forward and, and more effectively work um, with this kind of transdisciplinary model in mind. So, you know, something that was, uh, I guess, talked about uh, by Ernie Reimer, and I kind of got it secondarily from uh, Daniel Martinez. And Ernie had basically talked about, you know, this concept of trans transdisciplinary uh, action as as a goal among your department. So the idea of you know, you're not having a territory, you just have expertise. So you're not uh, saying that okay, I'm going to stay in my lane. It's like you're acknowledging that you have ex expertise that would keep you in a certain area or domain, but you know that you can kind of work among uh, different professionals, because the idea is you're just creating this framework um, that everyone understands and there's clarity um, and, and it's something that's unique to your organization. Um, but the idea is, I think that is the goal. But I think as you start to get the to the periphery and, and some of these departments where you look at, you know, we have 22 sports and every single sport has uh, a sports medicine personnel who has a different expertise. And then you have three sports nutritionists. We have five full-time strength conditioning coaches on the Olympic sports side. You know, it's, it's not replicating the same thing. So it is more so providing, I guess, kind of a framework or a foundation to work together. So, um, you know, Randy Ballard had, had kind of first, uh, put a tweet out there that I thought was pretty interesting where he was talking about creating this. And so the first thing that we did as a staff was, you know, if we're going to talk about what, you know, what other people are doing, we have to really clarify, you know, what we're doing. And, and we'd had a document that was already created, which was um, done when, when Coach Alejo was here. And we just kind of added almost kind of a, an infographic element to it where we're laying out, I guess, just our mission, you know, who we are as a staff or, you know, our people describing them, you know, what's our communication style and what's our strategy to achieve these things. So, you know, as we go into these meetings, we basically always have athlete development at the center. So it's not saying like, well, we have a different agenda than sports medicine. We all have the same agenda. We just have different, uh, you know, different people and different communication styles and strategies in order to achieve, you know, these outcomes of athlete development. But, you know, when I think of strength conditioning, you know, when we're talking about role clarity, I think our, our role is athlete development. And, you know, when you talk about athlete development, you know, a lot of that kind of centers on the physiological piece, but, you know, looking at assessment, you know, strength development, rate of force development, power, agility, you know, energy system stuff. Um, I think that is the majority of what our role is from a from a development perspective. 
Um, the assessment piece, there is a little bit of gray area because I think that happens in conjunction with sports medicine. But I think, you know, when you see situations where no one's taking the lead, I think that's when nothing gets done. So, you know, I, I don't think it matters within your own organization of kind of who takes the lead on assessment. I, I think people have different expertise. You know, I, I would not feel great about doing a lot of table assessment, um, but I feel very good about doing general movement assessment. So, you know, clarifying that kind of within your own domain. And then the other piece would be monitoring. So for us, looking at daily readiness, markers, uh, performance monitoring, um, examining load and response and kind of this this idea of return to play process as well, which, again, I think, you know, the, the easy thing for people to say is, you know, we'll return to play. Uh, you know, we just don't want to get people hurt. Well, the reality is that there's going to be injuries that occur. And there's even things that, you know, whether you or I would acknowledge it as injury, but if somebody has pain, like I think that's even a time where you kind of have to examine a quote unquote return to play process. It might be like that day. But I mean, I think that's still something that you look at is, okay, we have to acknowledge that there is pain here and then we need to do something about it. Um, but I think those are, those are areas that we have to, to kind of work in conjunction with sports medicine. But you know, the, the thing that I think is a limiting factor in, in the college environment is this idea of this lack of understanding of others' domains. Um, and, and we have this inability to kind of clarify or define terms. So, uh, you know, we're going to say things like, you know, athlete development, but we need to be in a room and, and say, OK, what do we actually mean by athlete development? And then to actually define that and, and provide you know, at least us somewhat agreed upon semblance of, of a definition. But this idea that if we don't understand other people's domains, we have that tendency to be very, I guess, ignorant in those other areas. And I think that's this concept of the, the Dunning-Kruger effect, which there was a paper that was sent to me by uh, Patrick Ward. And I mean, basically anything he sends me, I'm going to read and and try to get as much as I can out of it. But this paper was basically looking at uh, a group of individuals that were uh, given different tests, and after the test, they were they were asked to say, you know, how many of the questions they thought they got right, and then how they compared to the other people uh, in terms of their rank and percentile. And, and kind of what was found is that uh, when people are incompetent, they they kind of have this uh, a, they have this tendency to say that they they think they do better as, as compared to their peers and they always rate themselves higher. So I think the way that I see that applied in college athletics is, you know, I don't have a ton of knowledge in the domain of sports medicine. I didn't go through and, and receive a degree and, uh, you know, I don't work every day as an athletic trainer. So if I look at their job and say, well, if, if all they did was, you know, this modality, or if all they did was improve, you know, mobility of, of this joint, then like everything would be fixed. But that's the idea of like, I don't have a ton of knowledge in that domain. So I'm, I'm kind of distilling it down to very like simple outcomes. Um, so instead of just that, I guess that distillation and, and simplicity and how we view other things is acknowledging that there is some complexity in different areas and, and that we need to be able to communicate to, to determine like, okay, what is it that you do? Is that office space? Like what exactly is it that you do around here? And once you have that knowledge, then it's saying, okay, well, this is how we work together to develop an athlete. So if we have, you know, something like an injury that occurs, you know, and they're in that initial stage that, you know, level one, so to speak, 
and it's it's getting them out of pain. Well, we can all agree upon what's pain, and we can look at joint ranges of motion, and we can kind of all agree upon those things and and audit them together. Uh, but instead of just saying like, okay, well you're you're incompetent, you don't know, don't know how to do your job well. It's saying like, okay, this is where you're going to take the lead, and then once we've advanced to this level, then this is where you know as we start to transition into what would be strength development then this is where I'm going to take the lead. But just having that ability to, I guess, get a little bit more cl- clarity between those domains is important. But I think, you know, we'll have a situation, say, where we're using the biodex as an assessment for um, symmetry between sides coming back from like a catastrophic knee, right? Mm. But then we'll have a situation where um, prior to the biodex, like the only thing that they were doing was like, really light leg extensions or body weight stuff. So then it's like, okay, well, do we need to do a better job of clarifying? Like this is, this is something that is looking at like a level of strength development between limbs and it's looking at like relative strength, uh, compared to body weight. So it's like, if you didn't do the things to prepare them to be strong, then the expectation is like these outcomes are, are not surprising. Right. So I think, uh, it's also just having that clarity to say, okay, when, when something needs to be achieved in regards to, okay, a physiological domain, where, where do we kind of allow the, the, the reins to be taken over and, and trust the people around us? Um, so I really think that's something that's going to be, yeah, something that's going to be challenging. And, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be people that, you know, it's kind of that sacred cows thing where, where it's like, well, I feel really good. Um, you know, as a strength coach, I really want to do like all the mobility and corrective stuff. And I want to do all the assessment where it's like, okay, well, can you get other people involved and at least kind of have an auditing process? And then when, when a strength development, like, well, I'm a, I'm an ATC and I really like, uh, I really like to do, you know, jumps and things like that in my domain. Well, it's like, well, do you, do you understand what the jump should look like? Do you understand regression, progression, uh, or lateralization? Do you understand, you know, periodization concepts, like where are you going to go? Um, if this doesn't work, if, you know, you're, you're introducing something that's very technical and you're changing like their way to perform that movement, like, is that a problem in the long run? So that, that is, I would say probably, uh, going into the new year, one of our, our biggest things that we're going to really start working on as a department and start to clarify that. But, you know, I think, uh, I think the concept of, of social media is is really good in that it's allowing all of us within this domain, you know, to to get more information and uh, to at least have some things that we can bring in that are maybe different ideas or, or seeing how other people, you know, interact within their own groups or subsets. But I think that's there's also that uh, there's there's less risk of being wrong um, on social media. So there's no really like objectivity and viewpoints and you're not really having to replicate outcomes. So you're just seeing something and you're like, all right, yeah, it looks really cool. Or like, this is what they did. So, you know, you might look at something like sleep and you're like, oh, okay, well, how do we improve sleep? And, um, somebody might say, well, like Clemson did something with, you know, the sleep science group and they've had all these great outcomes. So it's like, did you see that like on an ESPN piece or on like a social media clicker? And do we actually understand like what the process was or what the actual outcomes were? Um, and, and so, you know, within our group, it's also saying that, you know, again, if we're working towards transdisciplinary 
outcomes, then we're going to have things that are unique to our group, unique to our context and situation. So we, you know, we can see things as maybe a hint as like, this is a direction that we maybe want to look at, but let's be like scientific in the process to be able to say, okay, like, how are we going to set this up? What are the expected outcomes? How, how can we be as objective as possible and say that this either worked or didn't? And then how can we actually provide the data to say, you know, whether those things occurred? And so, um, you know, I think, again, that starts with that standard operating procedure document. And then I think it also goes into defining terms. Um, you know, like we were talking about earlier, I'm, I'm at an unnamed SEC school and I see all these banners hanging up. And uh, it, it makes me think about like being in a room with uh, other professionals at, in our department and talking about things like leadership and, and toughness and, you know, cutting edge, progressive, effective culture, <laughs> like all these words that uh, they're very, they're very nebulous. They don't really have necessarily a shared definition. And I'm not saying that like they're undefinable. Um, I think they are, but I think you, you have to have clarity if you're, in an organization where you're talking about like, okay, how are we all going to work together to achieve athlete development and get these expected outcomes? And we're talking about these things that we don't really have uh, definitions of. And I mean, it's this idea of, uh, I think it was Thomas Reed said, like there's no greater uh, impediment to advancement of knowledge than like ambiguity of words or ambiguity of, of terms. Um, but I, I just think that this idea of working towards definable language, and then I think that that kind of leads us into, like, how do you make things more measurable? How do you think make things more data-driven? No, 100%. I think that before we jump to that next point right there, I think that that's so important when it comes to defining terms. Because I can't tell you how many meetings I've been in with different coaches where it's been like, they need to be tougher or we need to work on fitness, like fitness. Like, okay, well, let's define yeah. what you think fitness is, first <laughs> of all. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, if you think that everyone's going to look like Rich Froning, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's what fitness is for this sport. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think that, that also comes back to, again, that, that ignorance begets knowledge. Uh, that idea that like when I'm a coach and I'm not in the domain of like physiology and, and that development of the athlete that I can think that, okay, it's just that easy. Like I see, you know, another player in another team that looks a certain way. And like, I want that player. Well, it's like, okay, we don't even know like the context that came into that. Like we don't know, you know, their training style, what they've done, where she was previously when she, you know, first got on campus, so on and so forth. So it's like that distillation of like I want a player to look like this or this is this is what I want all of our kids to be but you're right I mean having clarity and saying like okay well, what does that mean to you why is that important uh what does that improved variable look like so like what does improved fitness look like uh and then what what would we see in on our team if you know whatever quality said quality is improved like if we're more fit like what are we going to see like are we going to see that we score more points or we're going to get more steals or what, it, what, what is that quality that we think that this is going to improve? And I think that's where we can come in as you know, scientists, physiologists and be like, okay, well, there is this study that shows that there is this relationship between variables. Maybe we can start to look at something like that on our team, but you know, that's even being able to say, okay, 
let's define who on our team has these qualities versus who doesn't. And let's see if this even holds true with what we have. Um, yeah, I mean, I th- <laughs> you've been in this a long time. I've been in this in a long time. And it's that idea of having those conversations where like those things can turn emotional really quickly because everybody's opinion and like how they look at these things, like they hold these things very dear and uh, near to them. And when you start questioning them, it's like it does, it becomes like this emotional like, well, this is what I want. And okay, well, let's, let's talk about the product. Like, how can we work together to achieve these things? And are these things even important? Um, anyway, sorry. Go off. No, hundred percent. And then leading into the next thing, like, how can you even quantify it? Cause it's yeah. like, oh, well we need to be X. Okay. Well, how are we going to know? Like, yeah. are we just going to wave a magic wand or pull out my lightsaber and be like, woohoo. Now all of a sudden we've developed this. <laughs> Like, yeah, we, things need to be, they, like you've mentioned a couple of times, they're being objective and they need to be quantifiable. Yeah. So let, let's run down that rabbit hole a little bit yeah. too. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, when you start there, you can even kind of go back to, um, you know, there's, there's another book again, this is, this is kind of a common theme in my life that was recommended to me by, by Patrick. Um, it's called how to measure everything. And it was, it was a book that was more based, I guess, in the business world. But it was just this concept of, uh, you know, early on, again, defining terms and saying like, okay, what we actually think is typically immeasurable can be measurable. And then, you know, there's these concepts of, okay, if if it is something that we want to measure, can we even, can we define what measurement is? So, you know, in that book, they, they talk about measurement is, is observations that reduce uncertainty, um, to express something as, as a quantity, but it's not it's not necessarily, you know, obviously you can have like nominal ordinal, you, you don't have to have something that's like, you know, it, all, it doesn't always have to be a number. And then the other thing is when we express, you know, data, it's, it's not always saying that everything is going to be a hundred percent. Like it, it, it's, there is approximation in all data, right? So it's like, there is, you know, this, the signal and noise concept that you're looking for as much clarity. So, you know, if I'm telling a kid that, I want them to improve in a variable that we think is important that's agreed upon and defined, you know, by myself and a coach. Like I need to tell them like what are even the expected changes that can be seen? Because if I throw out things like I need, I need you to jump like three inches higher. Well, like that might be like a 30% improvement. And if you calculate something as simple as like smallest worthwhile change, like that might be something that like would be well outside like the 99th percentile of improvement. Like there's just no, <laughs> it's probably not going to happen unless you had a really bad measurement the first time. Right. So then it's going back and saying, okay, you have to find the things that are the, that have the highest signal to noise ratio. So if you're testing things like there are certain things that are pretty noisy. Um, you, you know, I think we're seeing more and more like heart rate variability measurements are pretty noisy. Um, you know, even, even certain jump tests, like if we don't standardize processes and, and agree upon, okay, this is how we're going to prepare them. This is the time of day, like all these things. And even having some basic information of like their state of readiness prior to testing. And there's other kind of physiological health pieces too, that, you know, if somebody has like really poor iron levels, then they're probably not going to do very well in like a high intensity aerobic test you know, as if you just took the time to improve those things. So I think that's, that's like a big rabbit hole you can jump down. But I think, you know, starting with saying that the the goal is to work from subjective to objective. Um, 
defining terms is important. And then from there, it's, okay, what, what are we actually seeing that we think uh, is going to improve, um, you know, athlete outcomes, athlete development. So, okay, what, what do we think we want to measure? Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there is definitely this process of just creating clarity um, and not everything is, is going to be important that you measure. And that doesn't mean you just stop measuring as well. Um, I think that there are times, yeah, I, I don't agree with everybody just saying like, well, I'm going to measure and then I'm not going to do anything with data for like several years because I, you know, I don't think that's the way to go, but it's also saying like, okay, what is, what is the data doing for you? Is it, is it providing like an opportunity to have, uh, good conversations? Is it, is it going to have maybe an effect on decisions or behavior or, you know, are you just seeing like there is no value to the information that you're collecting? So I think streamlining that process is extremely important. And, um, but I think when you start defining things as well, having definition for terms that are being used, I think that also allows people to see like (laughs) certain things like are so vague that like, how are we going to, how are we going to measure these things? Um, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know how, I still don't know how to measure toughness. Um, if anybody listening to the podcast wants to, to shoot me a message afterwards to tell me like how they, how they define and measure toughness. Uh, I mean, I think that would help me, uh, do my job better, <laughs> but still yeah, have a, tag have a me on that measure. post too, please <laughs> tag me on that too. Cause I'd love to hear that. Yeah. But I, I think for me, you know, I look at, I look at readiness markers, um, you know, I even had a, a conversation with our, our sports psychologist of saying like, well, you know, I don't, I don't love the emotional quotient measurements and things like a lot of questionnaires. And I'm like, okay, well, what, what, what's wrong with them? Like, what do we not like? Well, you know, it's really vague when you talk about like highly stressed and not stressed is how people, different people view it and like disturbed mood and, and feeling great. And it's like, okay, well, you know, wh- what are we going to, how do we do this better then? Because if we're acknowledging that like the emotional quotient is important, maybe we, you know, this is where, again, like, let's be scientists. Let's have this questionnaire set up of like, what's already out there. And maybe we'll create our own questions. And is something a little bit more, uh, is it a better predictor of emotional disturbance? Like, can we do a better job and how would we show that? And, and I think that's, we're having somebody in that domain. That's more of an expert, like, okay, well then you tell me what the outcome measurement would be to say that this is improved. But I think, you know, readiness and, and, uh, I think the idea of, you know, having things like pain scales and rating that, I think is very important. Um, I think that allows you to, to make better decisions on what you want to do in training, especially when you see trends within a group, uh, or kind of intra individually. And, and then the idea of measuring performance outcomes, I think is really important. I think it, it, it's hard to say, you know, that every, everything in every domain is important. You know, I think, uh, people are measuring, things in, in the strength domain and saying, well, you know, back squats important to me and, and bench press is important to me. And okay, well, is there, is there things that you can maybe even look at that would be more of a can distillation of that quality and can be pretty reliable? You know, I've looked at maybe even including things like an ISO pull, uh, for, for force and rate of force development qualities and, uh, you know, standardizing power, uh, measurements and things of that nature, where it's just, it's, it's not, again, coming out of strength conditioning, I don't want it to come back to a coach and be like, Oh, you know, we're, we're stronger because, you know, squats went up. 
physical we're stronger in that you know specific measurement but is is that strength you know is that something that's considered global or is that you know is that more specific so those are things that i kind of you know go back and forth with in my head but i think i think jump measurements are are something that's always going to be kind of a standard process of what we look at as well and we've done a lot more testing on force plates to allow us to to look at different domains um, and, and be more reliable with with that testing process and and then i thought Durkin's talk the other day where he's talking about you know his fitness measurement qualities where he's looking at anaerobic capacity aerobic capacity i think that's really good when you're starting to to look at buckets of things that are you know i think the reason that the beat test is important for aerobic capacity is because it's it is it's more like pure aerobic than something like an intermittent test so then you can say well, we can clarify like aerobic fitness or capacity versus like repeatability so when somebody says well their fitness isn't very good well let's talk about what what fitness is important for the sport and then let's talk about what qualities we have on our team so if that doesn't match up with the coach's definition of fitness. So if they're saying, you know, I want better, more fitness on our team or whatever. And okay, well, we're going to look at aerobic capacity tests. Do you think this is, you know, give me the order of operations of most fit to least fit. And it's not even close. Like, okay, well that's, that's not a good standardization of what fitness means to, to you uh, in this instance. So, uh, and then when you get uh, on the court, on the field, I think, you know, I, I want to advance to that point uh, of looking at, you know, what is happening in the sport. I, I still kind of stay with, you know, rating of perceived exertion, differential RPE, which is, uh, you know, the, the, the one that's been looked at by McLaren West and more. Um, and I feel like that's been kind of interesting to look at the difference between kind of mechanical and physiological outcomes. You know, when you're looking at differential rating of perceived exertion, you're looking at, you know, leg exertion and, um, you know, upper body exertion is kind of your mechanical load. And then you're looking at breathlessness as your physiological load. And then you have kind of cognitive or technical demands for, for that domain. Um, I haven't seen much value with that, especially with basketball, obviously with swim, <laughs> like what was the, what was the technical demand? Like, uh, I guess if they're like learning a new stroke, but, um, but for the most part, when you're starting to see it differentiate is when you're looking at, you know, say basketball, for example, when I see, high mechanical demand those are usually practices where we have heavier half court um, type of work versus breathlessness is going to be more full court and then you know when we're looking at even kind of our minus one minus two uh, before games typically we're going to have uh, the higher breathlessness stuff is going to be two days out and then the, the higher leg exertion and uh, upper body exertion is going to be kind of that day before um, as we start to, to go over more like specific game plans half court stuff and that also helps us from a recovery perspective to say, okay, what what helps this person recover in this mechanical domain more effectively? So you can kind of distill down your intervention. So again, it's stuff that affects your your decision making um, and, and behavior. So I, I think it, it is valuable to have those things too. Um, yeah, I don't even know how we got at that, but I, I love the quote <laughs> the quote from Bob. You know, when he talked about you know you can all you can have your own opinions, but you can't have your own data. So I think that's, that's also the piece where you're not just going back with your, well, this is what I think. Well, this is what I think. Well, okay. Well, what does that actually do for us? You can go in and say, okay, well, pain scale soreness is showing that this person has significantly increased soreness over the last three days. Um, this is what our process is going to be. What are we looking at from a practice plan standpoint? Is there some things that maybe we can modify, you know, locally or globally? Um, 
if you can't, then okay, you can't, but at least, you know, you bring that information up. You're not ultimately the decision maker, but the other thing is people just, I think a lot of people just get frustrated. Like, well, nothing's going to happen if I collect this one. It's like, what, what happens if you just, you, you just keep trying and, and you keep educating. I mean, I've, I've been in a situation with women's basketball, uh, here for three years. And I don't think we do things the same now as we did three years ago, but if I would have just approached it the same way and, and just said, well, you know, the, the, the coach is 30 years deep in the industry. He's not going to get it. Like, well, he does. You just have to start to understand like the context where he's coming from and what he sees and, you know, kind of meet him halfway through clarity of language and, and defining terms and saying, you know, okay, well, you want more fitness. Can we get up and down the court more? Can we have more, you know, unequal drills where the heart rate response is higher? Can we, um, you know, do less subbing, things like that. Like they can take that information and go, okay, like that's, those are easy decision-making process that can be affect, that can affect, you know, big time outcomes, but it's not like you going in and saying, you you don't, you don't know what you're doing, (laughs) like, (laughs) or just not talking at all. Just like, oh, he's doing, they're not going to get it. No, a hundred percent. And I think the other thing too, like when you're talking about collecting and implementing and doing all those things, too many people, I think, just collect for a year or two because they don't even know what they're looking for to begin with. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's kind of frightening. Yeah. And I think if, you know, one of the, one of the qualities I would say that's, that's kind of underrated in this industry is, you know, humility and vulnerability. And I think people going into situations where they don't necessarily have the answers, they, they feel kind of vulnerable. They don't want to ask the questions to other people that they might think could have a, a better understanding or have gone through the process because they don't want to seem like they're not knowledgeable. So they're just going to say, you know, the, the, the worst thing that I see is people just saying that they do stuff that they don't actually do. Well, it's like, okay, well, you, you know, what, what is that accomplishing? Is that helping your athletes develop or is that trying to help your you know marketability or whatever that is? And just being, being vulnerable. Like you don't have all the answers. It's okay to say, I don't know. Um, and and there's, there's a lot of people out there that can help, but it's, unless you kind of exhibit some of that vulnerability, I'm not just saying like, you're, you know, you're going on every like message board, like, I don't know how to do anything. Like you need to go do the work first, but at least, you know, kind of seeking out people through, you know, direct contact and just saying like, Hey, do you have any advice on, you know, I want to, I want to look at, again, I want to examine readiness. What do you know about that? Or I want to look at, you know, some, some of the physical markers on the court. Um, and just saying, okay, I'm going to go through this kind of distillation, distillation process and I'm going to keep it as simple as possible. And at least initially, like I'm not going to overload myself with this data collection process, but then I'm, I'm going to make everything that I do, like it's going to have to be something that will affect like decisions and, and behaviors or else it's, I'm just not going to do it. And that's, it's also having the conversations with the people, you know, within your domain. And that's again, going back up that funnel of saying, that's why you need to clarify language and talk about what's important and having those conversations before you even really start to run down that path of like, what data do I want to collect? Like go talk to the coaches, go talk to the support staff, even say like, okay, what are we already doing? What's important? You know, what type of qualities do we value? How do we define those qualities? Okay. We want leadership and toughness. What do you mean by leadership? (laughs) Um, and and I, I do, I like that, like from how to measure everything, that idea of that it's the, um, it's the thought experiment where you're, you know, you look at like two teams, do they have this quality? 
or if this team has this quality, what do they look like? Like what qualities now do they possess because they have more toughness or better leadership that we, that we don't or whatever. Um, but just clarification chains and, and understanding again, what we're talking about. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, that overestimation of abilities sometimes is, is this like access to access to information, but not necessarily knowing how to, uh, implement it, not having that experience. And, you know, we start collecting information and we think that we can affect all these outcomes. And I think the, the pendulum's kind of swung back and forth a couple times where it was like, okay, when it was all being exposed to a lot of people, they were like, Oh, okay. I can, uh, I can, I can pull back. Like I can make things, you know, I, I can work on recovery. It was like recovery, recovery. Then people are going, well, they, you know, you have to stress, especially in the off season. Like why are you, why are you focusing so much on recovery? We should be like pushing them as much as we can. We're just looking at whether we push them too far. Then it's like, okay, well, we got to go back that way. But, uh, again, if you don't have even good markers that you're looking at, so then it's just, it's just kind of a waste of time. I mean, I've, I've been in different situations where I've seen, you know, people with, um, <laughs> like basketball strength coaches with heart rate monitors and they're like looking at these things on the sideline like I have no freaking clue what I'm looking at like I don't know what I'm going to do with this data I'm going to take the stock report and give it to the coaches like is that really the best use of your time or can you just say like I want to look at these one to two metrics see if they're important um you know use some literature out there and then say you know what what those metrics are related to you know training load training load per minute or whatever it is and then now it's okay can these can I even start with kind of a descriptive look at my team, which is what I did last year. I presented at the NSCA and I just had in our preseason four week phase, like this is what the drills look like that we did. This was the training load per minute. Um, this was, were there, were there actual tangible differences between our guards and posts and were there differences between our classes? So were, were those, uh, features that, that led to significance, uh, in terms of statistically significant changes. Um, and, uh, that was, that's where you started. And it, mm -hmm. we found that like our positions were really similar, you know, guards and posts in terms of the majority of drills, like their training load per minute was very similar. Uh, and then we found between classes, it was very similar. So, I mean, there's a lot of kind of similarities on the court, at least in our context. I'm not saying that everybody else would see that, but you know, I, I can at least provide that for like a framework or a foundation if people are interested in looking at those same things in their own situations to be able to say, okay, well, now I can start to classify drills and I can help my coaches there. Yeah, 100%, man. And I think that that's an awesome point to leave it at. It's just to understand that, first of all, you got to understand what it is that you're looking at and defining the situations. And second, you, you've got to understand how to communicate this information back <laughs> to the coaching staff because numbers are just numbers and but people are, are going to look at them different and understand things different. And if you're not on the same page, it doesn't really matter, brother. And, uh, Nate, yeah. I can't thank you enough for your time, bro. This is absolutely fantastic stuff, man. It's been a long time coming, getting you on the show, my man. And, uh, I'm, I'm stoked for it. This was, this was great. Thank you. I appreciate your time and hope I didn't ramble too much, but again, I think it comes back to a lot of this is success equals practitioner plus process plus athlete of something that a good friend of mine, Don Reagan says. And, you know, if, if you're, you're doing your job as a practitioner, you're, uh, you can define and clarify and, and repeat your processes and you're keeping the athlete at the center. Then I think 
that's that's kind of a, a consistent equation for success. But uh, I'm not saying everybody's following that equation, unfortunately. No, no. <laughs> but uh, listen, man, I can't thank you enough. This is fantastic, and uh, I know you got to get rolling out of here, man. So we'll we'll let you get out of here with that. And I I can't thank you enough, Nate. We'll be in touch real soon, brother. All right, appreciate it. Thanks, Jay. Yeah, man. And a huge thanks to NC State's Nate Brookerson for sitting down and talking with us today. Guys, you know, the the person in the middle of it, putting the plan together, trying to, to build kind of this next level department that we all talk about and we all are hoping for, you know, more collaboration, but still more independence while we work in our lane, but help in other lanes and are helped through other lanes. Uh, to hear how it's going and how they're putting it together and and, and a lot of the stuff they're doing is absolutely fascinating. So I can't thank Nate enough for being so open, honest, and candid with us today. And as guys, as always, if you enjoyed the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. Again, we're just trying to get great information out to all the great coaches out there. And if you did enjoy it and you know somebody that can take something from it, do us a favor, guys. Email it to them. Tag them on the post on Facebook or tweet it at them so we can just keep spreading the word. Because, again, guys, we're just trying to get the best information out there to all of you that we can. And as always, thank you for what you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.